When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome right. to New York. Oh. This is, is the Devil's Devil State, State of Mind podcast, podcast. brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Now here's your host, Neil Villapiano. This list was really, really difficult to do, Filipiano, and welcome to another edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place as always to get the most up-to-date news, topics, discussions, and so much more about your New Jersey Devils. This episode, like all of them, are sponsored by the awesome people at DraftKings Sportsbook. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day wherever you're listening to this podcast episode. Thank you guys, as always, for taking some time out of your day to check this epi- these episodes in general out. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Folks, this week that you guys are listening to this episode, we have hockey to, to actually talk about. Not in this episode, unfortunately, not anything up to date, but the prospects challenge that the Devils are going to be involved with, with both the Buffalo Sabres and I think the Pittsburgh Penguins, is coming up this week. Uh, actually on Friday. So we're actually going to have some hockey that we're going to be able to watch and cover and talk about. And then basically a couple days after the prospects challenge, we have training camp. Ladies and gentlemen, hockey season is literally right there. We are super, super close to the start of it. And talking about it for me personally, um, this upcoming Friday, I will be broadcasting my first game as you know, one of the broadcasters for the ProTech Ducks of the EHL on the Eastern Hockey League on the ho- on Hockey TV. So if you have Hockey TV and you're looking for a game, go check out ours. Um, I would greatly appreciate it. You guys get a chance to hear me talk about hockey from a different perspective. And I'm just super excited to get my season started. But enough about me. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude our top five list. We, we have done several over the last couple of weeks. We did top five left wingers, top five centermen, 
top five right wingers. We just did top five defensemen in the last episode. And if you haven't go, if you haven't checked it out that episode, please go and do so. Today we are doing what honestly was probably the toughest out of all of them. I know I've said that all of these have been tough in one way or another, but honestly, this list was the hardest because. I'm not going to try to, I'm not going to sit here and criticize the Devils organization for the lack of, you know, really well-known guys. It's just that, you know, considering the Devils have only been around for, now we're getting close to 40 years, there hasn't really been that many goaltenders in our history that have really stood out. There's obviously one that stands out among the others, but we are talking about the top five best Devils goaltenders of all time. So in case you don't know how this works, I have five you know players that are in my top five. I go from five to one. And just before I get to one, I have about two or three honorable mentions as well. I actually have three in this one. So we're going to be talking about eight different goaltenders, which is kind of crazy to think about that I was able to figure this out. And as always, if you agree, disagree, if you want to say your opinion, whatever the case may be, please, please reach out to me on Twitter at Devil State and also on Instagram at Devil State of Mind. And again, guys, this was a very difficult list. Um, there was a lot of things that I had to, there was a lot of research I had to do. I mean, there's a handful of goaltenders that obviously I can think of off the top of my head, but then obviously it was about trying to figure out which ones make the most amount of sense to be added into this list. And then again, it's about, other than obviously who number one is, figuring out between five to two. That was really interesting. And also, obviously, trying to figure out who belongs on the honorable mentions part of this list. So th there's a lot to discuss. And again, like I always do, I will explain to you guys how, um, basically, why I put these guys on there and how they, you know, earn the right to be on this list. So, as always, we have a bunch to talk about on these episodes. So let's not waste any more time and drop the puck. So we'll start with. Number five, and this is a goaltender that actually came to the Devils basically during the first year, well, the first time they ever made the playoffs, and that is goaltender Sean Burke. And for a lot of you older Devils fans, you probably do remember this name. It is pretty significant, especially what he was able to do right away when he came to New Jersey. Sean Burke was drafted in the second round of the 1985 NHL entry draft by the New Jersey Devils. He came to the Devils towards the end of the 1987-88 season and went in in just 13 games played, he went an impressive 10-1-0. That is an incredibly impressive start to your career. And he was a big part in helping the Devils reach the playoffs for the first time in franchise history. As we've talked about before, the, the famous John McClain goal in overtime against the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, and it was just, it was so key, but the fact that Burke was able to come in as a rookie and be able to contribute the way that he did was absolutely impressive. And what was more impressive is that again, it being the first time the Devils have made the playoffs, they went all the way to game seven of the conference finals that year and ended up losing in that in game seven to the Boston Bruins. So it's really crazy to think about how they nearly made the Stanley Cup finals in the first year that they ever made it to the playoffs. I don't recall, other than obviously some teams that started in the NHL when it first became a thing, 
I don't really recall even just the last time that a team made the playoffs for the first time in their history, except obviously the Vegas Golden Knights in their first year where they actually got to the finals and won a game in the finals. But other than that, I don't really remember another team that in their first year of existence went all the way to the conference finals. Um, I think, and I could be wrong, and any of you can fact check me. That would greatly be appreciated. But I think uh, the first year, I want to say it was the first year. I might be wrong. Uh, but it was one of the first couple of years of the existence of the Minnesota Wild. Uh, I do remember in 2003, they went all the way to the conference finals before getting swept by the Anaheim Ducks, uh, which again, it would have been, you know, pun intended, it would have been wild to see the Devils play Minnesota in the Stanley Cup finals. Uh, I mean, it was weird with the Devils playing the Anaheim Ducks that year. But that's besides the point. Uh, yes, yeah, Sean Burke was tremendous in his short time in his rookie year with the Devils. And, in, you know, a big reason that they got as far as they did, you know, nearly reaching the Stanley Cup finals. Now, Burke would go on to play his first four seasons of his career with the New Jersey Devils, and then was traded by the Devils with Eric Weinrich to the Hartford Whalers for second round pick in 1993, which actually became uh, Jay Pandolfo and Bobby Holik. So again, it was one of those many moves that Lou Lamorello made in his time in New Jersey, where he just was able to make the right move at the right time and get guys that would be ultimately contributors to Stanley Cup teams. Bobby Holik, obviously, same thing with Jay Pandolfo as well. Uh, I mean, th these guys would go on to help the team out uh, definitely. And there are guys that a lot of even the older Devils fans certainly remember 100%. The interesting thing about Sean Burke is that he actually ended up having a pretty damn long career in the National Hockey League. He played up until the end of the 2007 season, which is remarkable. This man played over 20, or nearly 20 years in the league. And granted, he wasn't, you know, you know, an all-world goaltender. He's not a Hall of Famer by any means. But when you just think about the longevity and you think about somebody who was able to play and be actually wanted in the NHL for that long is really, really impressive. And obviously, you know, he didn't have a long tenured career with the Devils. But obviously, the things that I mentioned before, his rookie year, 10-1, and one, helping the Devils reach the conference finals in their first year that they ever made the playoffs, that's significant. He was the first significant goaltender in Devils history. He was the guy that made the first, you know, big statement as a goaltender with this New Jersey Devils organization. In his career with the Devils, Sean Burke played in 162 games and he posted a 62, 66, and 23 record with a .876 save percentage and a 3.66 goals against average. Now, to be fair, he was playing in the late 80s, early 90s when there was a lot of scoring. You know, there weren't that many goaltenders that were really standing on their head, averaging, giving up only one or two goals. There was just a lot of goals being scored back in the day. So do I think Sean Burke would have benefited from, you know, the neutral zone trap about a decade later, a little less than a decade later? Yeah. I mean, I think his numbers would look a lot different. He probably would have at least a 900 save percentage and less than a three point whatever goals against average. But he was playing in a time where there was a lot of goal scoring and a lot of, you know, just a lot of scoring in general. Uh, in his time with the Devils in the postseason, which obviously I just mentioned, um, Sean Burke played in 19 games, posting a 9-10 record with a .886 save percentage and a 3.47 goals against average. Again, if you go back to all of those games, regular season and also postseason, 
there was just a ton of scoring. There was just a ton of offense. For a lot of people now, especially the younger generation who love scoring, they would have loved that era because there were just been so many guys. I mean, you had Wayne Gretzky in that time and guys like Mario Lemieux as well that were scoring 40, 50, 60, 70 goals, 80 goals. And it was just, it didn't, it, it was incredibly impressive, but it was also not out of the ordinary. There were a lot of guys scoring 40 plus goals during that time. It was much tougher for goaltenders, but as things progressed, and obviously with another very well-known Devils goaltender later on coming into the fold, rules started to change that, started to uh, favor goaltenders and made it more difficult and has gotten to the point that where we are at now. Um, but without a doubt, Sean Burke was significant in the early years of the Devils, being that goaltender to help the Devils get to the playoffs the first time, making it all the way to the conference finals. And for all of those reasons and the other ones that I mentioned, he definitely deserves to be on my list. And that is why he is number five on my list. Now shifting over to number four of the top five best Devils goaltenders of all time. I feel like this is going to cause a lot of people, especially younger Devils fans, to get really ticked off at me because understandably so I do have a soft spot for this guy I've seen him play he just recently was uh bought out by the devils uh, a year ago um and even just saying that some of you already know where I'm going with this um but when I explained to you what this man was able to do in his time in New Jersey I think it just it, it deserves the right to be on this list because of he, him playing during a very downtime in Devils history and being arguably the best player on the team for that period of time and being pretty significant. And also just from stats perspective, he's in the top three in stats all time for Devils goaltenders. And that is former Devil goaltender number 35, Corey Schneider. So, yeah, I understand completely if some of you Devils fans are saying, wow, you really put Corey Schneider on this list. Well, again, number one, when you hear the rest of the list and even honorable mentions, and then you look at the stats, I think you can understand in a way why I put him on here. It, I, to me, it, it, especially if you were watching that period, um, and a lot of you should have been, and I know that for a fact that a lot of you did. And also, I know for a fact that a lot of you guys, I feel like just gave him a really bad rap towards the end with just forgetting what he did in the years when we had no offense, no young guys coming up in the system and really no direction towards the end of Lou Lamorello's time with the devils. Um, but Corey Schneider, he had some pretty significant years with the devils. So Corey Schneider was drafted 26th overall in the first round of the 2004 NHL draft by the Vancouver Canucks. I do remember watching Corey Schneider when he was in Vancouver, especially towards his time when eventually was the end of his time in Vancouver. Um, the amount of times that Roberto Luongo was pulled for Corey Schneider and then Schneider would come in and granted, it was usually just to finish off the game when they already were not going to win it, but he would come in and be very, very solid. And every time I remember Elaine Vigneault would go back to Corey as the starter, he would come in and be very, very solid. And he really showed himself as a guy that deserved the chance to be a number one guy somewhere. And Lou Lamorello saw this. And so at the 2013 NHL entry draft, which was held at the Rock in New Jersey, the Devils announced that they had traded for Corey Schneider in exchange for their first round pick, which ended up becoming Bo Horvat. And my guy, Shane Ryan, um, always likes to remind me of the fact that the Devils traded 
Corey uh, traded basically what became Bo Horvat for Corey Schneider. And I get it. Bo Horvat is a great player and he is doing tremendous, you know, being now the captain of the Vancouver Canucks and doing the type of damage that he did. But you do have to understand that at the time, it wasn't considered a bad move. The Devils were obviously looking for their franchise goaltender to eventually take over the reins for Martin Brodeur. And they really didn't have anybody in their system. Uh, I believe uh, Martin Denis was the backup goaltender at that time. So it kind of shows you how desperate the Devils were. And trading a first-round pick, obviously, that was the value for Corey because, again, Corey Schneider had built the reputation that he was really, really good, an up-and-coming goaltender, and a guy that deserved the right to be a number-one goaltender somewhere. And that was the case here. Now, what was interesting about Corey Schneider was that he was on the last year of his contract when he was traded to uh, New Jersey. And he did pretty damn well in his first year. He really did. And, you know, in a year where obviously Marty was trying to continue to rack up stats and the team was still trying to compete with a much older team with the likes of still Patrick Eliash, Marty Berter, Yaramir Yager. We had just lost Ilya Kovalchuk that summer. And he was, and Corey Schneider came in and was very good. A lot of Devils fans were certainly impressed with what he was able to do. And there, and that's when in that offseason the next year came some, some difficulties because you had a difficult situation where Martin Berdera wanted to continue to stay in New Jersey and be the number one guy. But on the other hand, Corey Schneider wanted to be given the contract and the money and also the opportunity to officially be the number one guy. And so the Devils made the very hard decision to give the money and the contract to Corey Schneider and allow Martin Berdera to obviously go off and play eventually in St. Louis for seven games and try to see if he could get to 700 wins, which he fell seven wins shy of. Um, and it was a difficult time. It was a difficult time. And I'm sure it was awkward for, for Corey. Uh, I'm sure it was awkward for Marty Brodeur. Um, and, but, but Corey Schneider at, at that point, in his career is like, I, I need to be the number one guy. And the devils made sure that he was the number one guy. And I'm going to be very clear when I say this. And I know that some people are going to have a fit about it because they're going to try to figure out some other stupid reason to crap on Corey because people loved doing that, particularly towards the end of his time in New Jersey. But from 2013-14 to 2016-2017, Corey Schneider was the best player on this Devils team. And if, if he was able to have more goal support and the Devils won more games, Corey Schneider would have been in the running for a Vesna trophy because he was just that good. The amount of games the Devils lost, two to one, one to nothing, because Corey had to bail them out so many damn times when we had no offense whatsoever. We had to rely on Yuri Talusti, Tuomo Rutu, and Mike freaking Camilleri at his age to just get us to a point where we were a mediocre hockey team. We were, we, we were trying to avoid being below mediocre. We, the best we could do during that period was being mediocre. And that's what Corey Schneider did. He was the big reason that we were even somewhat competitive in some of these games. He was phenomenal. He made great save after great save. And again, I never felt like he was fully appreciated for it because of the fact that it was a bad period when we really, really were struggling. Now, what is the difference between then and now? Well, obviously now we have an incredibly bright um, future with so many young talent. We have some really great franchise impacting players moving forward and we have a direction. We didn't have that five, six, seven years ago. And Corey Schneider was the only guy on the team that was really worth anything at that time. 
And this is just calling it like it is. Go back and look at those rosters from 13, 14 to 16, 17, and you tell me if you think there was somebody else during that period that was better than what Corey Schneider was doing. You can't. There was no way you could do it. But by the time we got to the 17, 18 season, when obviously we got Taylor Hall um, and we had, you know, we still had a pretty good amount of team and we ended up, you know, making the playoffs. That was when Corey Schneider's career started to take a turn for the worst. Unfortunately, he was dealing with injuries. He had to keep fighting back. Um, he was able to get himself kind of redeemed in a way uh, when he took over for Keith Kincaid in the postseason when the Devils made it there as Kincaid's really crazy run during that 17, 18 year kind of fizzled out in the playoffs. Corey was able to win them a game uh, and he was very solid. He was the Corey Schneider of old. He had showed everybody that he was still the man. And I think that was the hope moving forward that the injury was past him, that he can get back to the level that he needed to get back. But unfortunately he never could. He constantly was getting hurt um, and guys like Keith Kincaid continued to play. And then obviously, you know, eventually Mackenzie Blackwood got the opportunity. The Devils continued to try to hope to get him back fully healthy. Also with the contract that they'd given him and the amount of money that they'd given him, nobody was really interested in trying to buy him out, at least at that point. And it got really difficult for Corey because starting on December 27th of 2017 to February 16th, 2019, Corey Schneider went 22 games straight that he played in without winning a game. And it became a running joke that he was never going to win another hockey game in the NHL. And there were some times where he would give up some tough goals, but there was also plenty of times where once again, the team lacked support around him. They weren't scoring. They weren't coming through when they needed to, and they would lose these games. Here's a fun fact. Here's a fun story. And my friend, Kim Moisa, Isles Girl 3 on Twitter, who you guys know very well and knows one of my closest friends in the hockey community, that the day that we met, the day that we became friends, was one of those games where Corey Schneider was playing and that was in the middle of the streak and the Devils ended up losing in the shootout. And I was so enraged because it was just like, can we please, please, for the love of God, win him a game? Because there were so many times, even during that period, where he was still really solid, but the team couldn't score. But then finally, on February 16, 2019, I believe it was Nico Heischer that scored in overtime against the Minnesota Wild to finally end the 22-game winless streak. And Corey Schneider was once again a winning goaltender in the National Hockey League. And that was, unfortunately for Corey, the last bright spot of his time with the Devils because during the offseason of last year, the Devils made the really difficult decision and the really emotional decision to buy out Corey Schneider's final two years of his contract. And that was a really sad day for me because Corey Schneider is always going to be one of my all-time favorite players, one of my all-time favorite people, and you know, just one of my all-time favorite hockey players. And he was just tremendous during his time. It was just unfortunate that injuries caught up to him and that he went on that 22-game winless streak. He was on the Devils during a difficult time. If he was just coming to the Devils now, he would it'd be crazy. He would be so, so, you know, great with the amount of support that we have now. I'm sure he was saying to himself, why couldn't we have done this when I was there? You know, and, and obviously he's not thinking that, but I'm sure that that's the thought process for some. Now, when Corey Schneider was bought out, uh, he has two years, well, I think now one, but at the time he had two years remaining on the seven-year $42 million contract. He was paid to be, he was he was supposed to be paid $6 million annually these last two years. 
the buyout is now $8 million spread out over four years. So after, so including the season, there's three more years left of his contract being on the devil's books, which honestly is not that big of a deal because the devils still have a pretty decent amount of cap space. They'll have obviously $9 million more in it. Once PK Subban's contract comes off the board next year. Um, he ended up signing as most of you know, he signed last year as a free agent with the New York Islanders to be basically their third string guy uh, behind Ilya Sorokin and uh, Simeon Barlamov. Um, at the, at the time of this recording, he is an unrestricted free agent unless the Islanders made a deal that I didn't hear about, which would be typical Lou for not telling us anything. Um, but the biggest thing that, and I'm sure a lot of you remember this, uh, I shared it on my, uh, on basically everything devil state of mind related. I talked about it on a podcast uh, because it was important. Um, in March of this year, Corey Schneider lost his nephew, nephew, Theodore Hedstrom in a house fire, which was obviously horrific and very sad. Um, the family ended up putting out a GoFundMe page and a lot of you guys retweeted. Uh, some of you donated. So many people showed out support. Devils fans, Islander fans, hockey fans in general. And again, I'm, I'm so grateful that so many people saw it and reached, reached out and were able to help. Um, I don't remember who exactly from the Schneider family reached out to me, but somebody did. I believe it might have actually been Corey Schneider's uh, wife that reached out to me and said that uh, they were very grateful for all the support that everybody gave and that we were able to help them during a very difficult time. And I hope everything's okay now with the Hedstrom family. Obviously, things are never going to be the same, but I'm hoping for nothing but the best moving forward for the Hedstrom family and also the Schneider family uh, moving forward. But really quickly here to kind of finish up here, talk about Corey, because it's been a while here. Uh, he played in 311 games, posting a 115, 130, and 50 record, a .915 save percentage, and a 2.50 goals against average. And in his time in the playoffs with the Devils, which was only four games, three in which he started, uh, he posted a 1-2 record, a .922 save percentage, and a 2.59 goals against average. Say what you want about Corey Schneider. Talk about the, you know, the joke that was the 22-game winless streak, the injuries, the fact that towards the end he really just wasn't the guy uh, that he used to be. But Corey Schneider was the best player we had during a very dark period of Devils hockey. And I feel that he should be more appreciated uh, because of it. I'm not saying anything like his number needs to be retired or anything like that. I'm just saying that people need to give him a break and understand that he did as best as he could during a tough time in the Devils uh, franchise. But to me, Corey Schneider, just from a stats perspective and what he was able to do, I think has earned the right to be considered one of the one of the top five, it's certainly top 10 uh, best goaltenders the Devils ever had in their organization. And for that reason, and many more that I just mentioned, Corey Schneider is number four on this list of the top five best Devils goaltenders of all time. Now we move into the top three Devils on this list, and we go to number three. And it's a guy that particularly, as I've mentioned several times on several episodes, more or less the older generation Devils fans uh, probably remember him because not only did he play for a pretty long time with the Devils, he also was in the Devils organization for quite some time in the position um, coaching-wise that he was in when he was a player. And that is Chris Terreri. And I think some people would, would certainly agree that he deserves to be on this list. He was drafted in the fifth round, 85th overall by the New Jersey Devils in 1983. So really around the time that the Devils organization 
became the Devils. Um, Chris Terreri was one of the first goaltenders that was brought in to be a part of this team. Uh, he was on the New Jersey Devils from 1986-87 to, to halfway through the 1995-96 season. He was the backup goaltender to Martin Brodeur in 1995, and he was also the backup goaltender to Martin Brodeur in the 2000 Stanley Cup team. So he's a two-time Stanley Cup champion, in case anybody wanted to know that. Uh, he was traded by the New Jersey Devils to the Sharks for a second-round draft pick in 1996, which was later traded to Pittsburgh, with Pittsburgh going on to select Pavel Skrbek. Um, boys at the tip of the iceberg, if I said that incorrectly, I apologize. But there's a little fun fact for you guys to mention on your next episode. On June 23, 2000, uh, Chris Dray was traded by the Minnesota Wild with night with a ninth round draft pick in 2000 later traded to Tampa with Tampa Bay going on to select Thomas Ziegler to the Devils for Brad Bombarder. Um, and by the way, during that period, uh, there was, I think, 10 rounds of the NHL draft. And obviously they realized how crazy that was and dropped it to seven later on. Um, but, you know, again, he was part of the 95 team. He was part of the 2000 championship team. But then on March 12th of 2001, he was traded by the Devils again with a ninth-round draft pick in 2001, which became Ua Pekka Ketola, to the New York Islanders for John Van Beesbrook, who had actually played for the Devils uh, earlier in his career. So there's a fun fact, Casey, and it's the same John Van Beesbrook that also was the goaltender with the Florida Panthers, who uh, Van Beesbrook was a teammate of now New Jersey Devils general manager Tom Fitzgerald, uh, that team in 1996 that went to the finals. He also was a goaltender for the Rangers, and actually gave uh, Mike Richter a run for his money before Mike Richter became the main guy in New York. Um, but going back to talking about Terreri, he ended up retiring after the end of the 2001 season. But right after that, he actually joined the Devils as a goalie coach. And he started in Albany. And then in 2009 or 2010, he became the goaltender coach with the New Jersey Devils. And he stayed the goalie coach until the end of the 2017 season. So not that long ago, actually. So for many years, he was the goalie coach for Martin Berder. Just kind of funny when you really think about it. Um, he ended up then afterwards becoming the goalie coach for a year or two with the New York Islanders after that because of the Lou Lamorello effect. And then ended up, I don't, I think either being let go or, you know, walked away. So it's been recent that Chris Terreri uh, is no is not a coach. Um, not sure what he's up to right now, but hopefully he's enjoying uh, himself. In his time with the Devils, Chris Terreri played in 302 games, posting an even 118 and 118 record with also 34 ties, a .892 save percentage, and a 3.07 goals against average. In his time in the postseason with the Devils, uh, Terreri played in 27 games, a 12-12 and record, a .890 save percentage, and a 3.37 goals against average. For me, Chris Terreri is another one of the few goaltenders that most Devils fans remember and can obviously talk about it. And we, we all recognize that 31 that he wore and obviously being the goaltender just before Martin Berner coming here and helping the Devils try to reach that next level to becoming the team that they eventually became. And he was rewarded by winning not one, but two Stanley Cups and then being a part of the Devils organization for almost a decade. Um, as a goalie coach and really, you know, trying to do what he can moving forward there. So he made a pretty significant impact in the Devils organization. He's always going to be remembered as a devil. And I think because of all of these things, you have to give him credit where credit is due. He was very, very impactful in his time. And for that reason, I have met number three 
on this list of the top five best Devils goaltenders of all time. Now, quick recap here before we get to number two. Again, this is the top five uh, list of the best Devils goaltenders of all time. At number five, we have Sean Burke. At number four, we have Corey Schneider. And at number three, we have Chris Terreri. Now, this is where it gets fun because we're down to the final two. And again, you all know who number one is, obviously. But I think some of you may wonder, well, who's number two? Well, this is a guy that is always going to be remembered, particularly for his nickname and also the fact that he, even to this day, is still involved with the Devils organization as a broadcaster. And that is number one, Glenn Chico Resch. I feel like it's fitting that he should be on this list and certainly be as high as he is. He is going to be one of the, considered the, one of those longtime Devils for not just the fact that he played here, but that he's still involved with the Devils. That was the beautiful thing about Lou Lamorello is that he made guys want to come here and stay here long term. And then even after their playing days, continue to be around and involved with the organization, be proud of being New Jersey Devils alums. Now, talking about Glenn Chico Resch, kind of an interesting story. On June 6th of 1972, he was traded by the Montreal Canadiens with a player to be named later in future considerations. Uh, I believe that player to be named later became Germain Gagnon. I apologize if I said that correctly, incorrectly. Alex Campbell and Dennis DeJordi to the New York Islanders for a second round draft pick in 1973. Glenn Goldup became that player and cash. Then the Montreal Canadiens sent Germain Gagnon on June 26, 1972 to the New York Islanders to complete the trade. Get all that? Good, because I'm not going to say it again. Um, he would go on to actually win a Stanley Cup with the New York Islanders. And then on March 10th, 1981, the New York Islanders traded Glenn Chico Resch along with Steve Tambellini to the Colorado Rockies, who eventually became the New Jersey Devils, for Yari Carella and Mike McEwen. So obviously that was a difficult thing. And here's the thing. Islander fans will tell you how much they love Glenn Chico Resch. He was a tremendous uh, asset to their team for those years he was there, even before uh, Billy Smith came along. People loved him. He was a fan favorite. So when he came back to the island with the Colorado Rockies, it was a very, very uh, difficult thing for Glenn because he really loved playing on the island and being part of the Islanders organization. He won a Stanley Cup with them, but he wasn't in their long-term plans. And, you know, unfortunately, that's part of the business. Uh but Glenn Chico Resch would end up continuing to play with the Colorado Rockies, who later became the Devils. He played for the organization as, you know, as a whole for about six years and then was traded to, from the New Jersey Devils to the Philadelphia Flyers for a third-round draft pick in 1986, which became Mark Laniel. And then after that year, he retired in 1987. And then later on, he became a color commentator for many years with the legendary Mike Doc Emmerich covering the New Jersey Devils. For a lot of us growing up, when we watched the games on TV, it was Mike and it was Chico. Those were the guys. They were the ones doing it. They had a great chemistry together. They loved each other. It was phenomenal. And then obviously, you know, Doc would later go on to no longer do Devils games, do national games. Um, I know uh, Chico Resch continued to do games on TV for many years after that, and then eventually was moved to the radio side of covering the Devils along with Matt Lawton. And to this day, Glenn Chico Rush is still broadcasting for the Devils, still a great guy. The infamous, you know, everybody remembers it, Chico Eats. Um, I really hope that they bring that back at some point. I feel like Devils fans would love to see that because Chico is such a great personality. 
Everybody loves him. Everybody that I've spoken to about him, they have a smile on their face because he just made you feel so great inside and just made you feel like very warm around him. And the fact that he granted, like he's probably well more known in Islander history and beloved by the Islanders. He's just as loved here in New Jersey. And the fact that he's been with this organization for this long now, continuing to talk about the Devils and covering them, is just a phenomenal thing. And I'm so happy that he's a part of this organization. And, you know, you look at, granted, you look at his, his stats. He played in 267 games, 67, 148, and 33 record. Again, this was the early days of the Devils. Uh, 0.870 save percentage and a 4.10 goals against average, which again, when I talked about Sean Burke, this was that era where there was a lot of goals being scored. And because the Devils were a new team, they were still you know, building what later became the dominant teams that they had um, moving forward. But again, I don't just look at stats. I look at the impact that these guys make and Glenn, you know, Maybe not the greatest impact on the ice, but certainly a tremendous impact off of it. And I think I think for those reasons, and honestly, just looking at everything, he deserves to be on this list. So, Glenn Chico Resch is number two on my list of the top five best Devils goaltenders of all time. Week one may be over, but the season's just getting started at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off week two, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up, because you don't want to miss this. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any Week 2 games to receive $200 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. So before we get to number one, which again, you all know who number one is, um, I have three honorable mentions, and these are just some other names that some of you may know, some of you may not know. I would kind of be surprised if you didn't know who these guys were, um, but if you're a much younger Devils fan, I totally understand it. Uh, but nonetheless, let's shift to our first honorable mention, Kevin Weeks. Kevin Weeks, a guy who didn't have a long time playing with the Devils, but is always, but a lot, but there's a good amount of Devils fans that remember him playing, and he's still relatively involved with the Devils from, from he, you know, from time to time. Kevin Weeks was drafted in the second round, 41st overall in 1993 by the Florida Panthers and played for, you know, over a decade before on July 5th, 2007, he signed as a free agent with the New Jersey Devils. So at this point, he had been in the league for over a decade. He was a very solid goaltender and somebody that could really be a good backup for Marty, which even at that time, I mean, Martin Bordeaux was playing 50 plus games a year. So Kevin Weeks wasn't going to be necessarily relied on a lot, but 
they still need to have a decent goaltender behind them. Um, and basically, um, Kevin Weeks would play for, I think, about a year or two before he ended up retiring. And ever since then, he was a hockey analyst on NHL Network. I think he still is. Uh, I could be wrong about that. But I also see him now with ESPN. Uh, and even from time to time, he's involved with Devils events. I remember when the Devils uh, drafted both Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes. And even when they hired Ray Shiro, uh, he was the guy that pre was presenting them. So it kind of shows that he's still kind of involved with the Devils. Maybe not like as an alumni or anything like that, but still considered, you know, a devil nonetheless. You know, as my hashtag says, once a devil, always a devil. That's kind of, no matter how long you're here, once you are there, you are part of the devil's uh, history. And you're, and most likely I'm going to remember that you played for the devils. In the short time that um, Kevin Weeks played with the devils, he played in 25 games, posting a 9-7-1 record, a .912 save percentage, and a, .2, a 2.58 goals against average. Decent numbers. Um, you know, granted, obviously he's not going to be in the top five, but He's a, he's a guy that a lot of people know, and I think that he deserves to be on the list. And again, like I said, it was really difficult to kind of put together this list to have enough guys that could fit this list. So I'm obviously going to stretch it a little bit here with some of these guys, but I hope you guys understand. But Kevin Weeks is the first guy on our honorable mentions portion of this. Now going to our second honorable mention is a guy that is still with the Devils organization um, and actually is pretty well-known as one of the more well, I guess you could say well-known backups that Marty Berdera ever had. And that is Scott Clemenson. He was drafted in the eighth round, which again, during that time, you had more than seven rounds. He was drafted in the eighth round, 215th overall in 1997 by the New Jersey Devils and was with the Devils from the 2001-2002 season to the 06-07 season. He was not part of the Stanley Cup championship team. He wasn't on the roster, so he did not win a cup. He was with the Devils organization, but he was in the minors. Um, and during that first period with the Devils, he really didn't play all that much. Um, but this is where things get interesting afterwards. He came back after a year with, I think it was the Toronto Maple Leafs organization. He came back for the 08-09 season, where he had his best season of his career by far. And there's nothing, to, it's, it's undebatable. It's very obvious that this was his best year because that was the year that Martin Berger had virtually a season-ending injury and the Devils needed to have somebody be their number one. And they went to Scott Clemenson and he posted an impressive 25-13-1 record with a .917 save percentage and a 2.39 goals against average. It was pretty good. And again, like I said, if you look at his whole body of work in his career, Scott Clemenson, that was the best year by a long shot for him. It was a tremendous year for him. Now, he would go on to play for the Florida Panthers for a couple of years. He was the gold. He actually uh, split time with Jose Theodore um, during that 2011-2012 season in which the Devils beat the Florida Panthers in seven games. I believe Travis Zajac, you know, scoring the game winner in game six. I believe Scott Clemenson was the goaltender at that time. Um, and I'm sure Clemenson wanted to try to win that series and beat his former team. But the Devils and Adam Henrique in particular got the last laugh when it was all said and done. He actually came back, Scott Clemenson, to the Devils for a few games in the 14-15 season. And then after that year, he officially retired. And at this moment, he is currently a goalie development coach with the Devils. And I remember about a year ago on one of the Devils, um, Speak of the Devils podcast, the official Devils podcast, uh, he was on there. 
And he talked about the fact that the devils are planning, or at least have planned, and are probably in the midst of doing, having basically their own personal goaltending uh, development system, so to speak, uh, having their own department as a whole, like it's just separated from the rest of the development team. And it's going to be run by Scott Clemenson and also with Martin Berdera for obvious reasons. Um, and I believe that's the case. And so we'll see. We'll see how that works. I've actually had a chance to meet Scott Clemenson. Number one, he's incredibly, he's much taller in person than I thought he was. He's incredibly tall, incredibly thin, 100%. Uh, that's no body shaming or anything. This is just something that I noticed. But he's a really, really nice guy, uh, always looking to talk. And I think he was kind of surprised that I even knew who he was. Because um, I think a lot of, if you saw him walking down the street, I don't think most people, uh, even some Devils fans, could have any idea who he was um, and what he did. But I honestly thought Scott Clemenson was a solid goaltender, uh, one of the more solid backup goaltenders that Marty Verder ever had. Um, and again, that 08-09 season, he was able to really have that year where he was the number one guy on a team and played pretty damn well, uh, considering the circumstances. Uh, in his time with the Devils, he played in 68 games, posting a 32-19-6 record, which most of that is from the 08-09 season, a .908 save percentage, and a 2.60 goals against average. That's pretty good numbers. Um, and he had a chance to play in the playoffs. Everything except winning a Stanley Cup, Scott Clemenson, for the most part, was able to do. And he had a pretty, uh, he had a pretty long, you know, he had a pretty good career over 10 years. That's always a positive for longevity reasons. And I think he he deserves to be on this list for, for obviously the 08-09 season and obviously continuing to be involved with the Devils moving forward. So Scott Clementson is the second honorable mention that we have. And the last honorable mention that we have is a guy that was really beloved by Devils fans, even in the short time that he was here. I never saw a guy that I felt so comfortable with him coming in when Marty just had a game off. Um, I just always knew the Devils were going to win when this guy was in net, other than Marty, like I knew, like when he got in, it was fine. Nobody, nobody was panicking because we knew how solid he was. And that is Johan Hedberg, AKA Moose. A lot of people remember him and hell man, he was not just with the devils, but like you think about like his short time in Pittsburgh, the, the Dan, he was arguably the best goaltender the Atlanta, the Atlanta Thrashers ever had. I don't think there's any debate about that. He was tremendous with them. He did a tremendous, he did a really good job with such a very, very um, uh, rough team in a rough market. Um, but Johan Hedberg actually had a short period of time with the Devils, and it was a pretty good short period with the Devils. He was drafted in the ninth round, 218th overall in 1994 by the Philadelphia Flyers. And you go, have to go all the way to July 1st of 2010 when he signed as a free agent with the Devils. And he was the backup to Marty Verdera on that 2011-2012 team that went to the Stanley Cup Finals. And he ended up retiring at the end of the very next year, 2012-2013. And again, very solid goaltender. A guy that you could really rely on and a guy that you could make everybody be like calm about. Because that was obviously when Marty was starting to decline a little bit and he needed some more rest. And even though Johan Hedberg was pretty old himself, he was a really good backup goaltender to have. And you knew that Lou was going to be able to find somebody like that. And, and Johan Hedberg, Moose was definitely like that. Um, Moose ended up uh, being a goalie coach for two years with the Albany Devils and then was the goalie coach in San Jose for a handful of years under former Devils head coach Pete DeBoer until December of 2019 when Pete DeBoer and his entire staff were let go after a really, really bad start to that season. 
uh, the 2019-2020 season, to be exact. Uh, not the year that they went all the way to the conference finals and all that stuff. Uh, but in his time in New Jersey, uh, Johan Hedberg played in 80 games, posting a 38-29-7 record with a .908 save percentage and a 2.42 goals against average. And look, like I said, the numbers speak for themselves as well. Very solid for the two years that he was, for the couple of years that he was here. He, you know, he was a guy that you could really rely on that could make some really good uh, saves and really win you some games. And even though he's a pretty small guy, he did the job. He helped us win games. He helped us become a really good team in 2011, 2012, the guys of the finals. He was one of those many veteran guys that Lou just, he knew that he was going to be a, a guy that could really help us. And he certainly did. And so he's also on this list for honorable mentions as well. So another recap for you guys, in case uh, you just happen to be listening to this now. Number five, Sean Burke. Number four, Corey Schneider. Number three, Chris Terreri. Number two, Glenn Chico Resch. And then our three honorable mentions are Kevin Weeks, Scott Clemenson, and Jorn Hedberg. And that so far is our recap of the top five best Devils goaltenders of all time. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we come to number one. And yes... It is no surprise that this man is on here. Not only is he the greatest Devils goaltender of all time, he is the greatest goaltender in the history of the game of hockey. And there is no debate about that. This is just pure facts. When you go off of the numbers, and not only that, you go off of what the NHL did to try to stop this man by changing rules, it just shows you how good he was. And that is number 30, Martin Brodeur. Again, there's, there's just no debate about it. There's just absolutely no debate. So let's go through the very long list of things that Martin Berner did in his career with basically all of it being in New Jersey. No, we don't talk about the few games that he played in St. Louis. That doesn't count. Martin Berner was drafted 20th overall in the first round of the 1990 NHL draft by Lou Lamorello and the New Jersey Devils. By far the best pick that Lou ever made in his entire time with the Devils. In his rookie year, which ended up being 93-94, Martin Berger won the Calder Trophy as Rookie of the Year. And as we all know, he helped the Devils reach the Conference Finals, Game 7 of the 94 Conference Finals against the New York Rangers. And obviously, with everything, they nearly went to the Stanley Cup Finals that year. But obviously, as we all know, the very next year, they went all the way, not only got to the Finals, but swept the Red Wings aside. And Martin Berger, in just his second season, had won himself his first Stanley Cup. He's a three-time Stanley Cup champion, 95, 2000, 2003. A nine-time All-Star. A five-time Jennings winner, which obviously is given to the goaltender who's given up the least amount of goals in a season. A four-time Vesna Trophy winner for the best goaltender in the league. A two-time Olympic gold medalist. A two-time silver medal winner at the World Championships. That's just something I wanted to throw in there. But now we get into all of the accolades that all the records that Martin Berter has that he that nobody else is even close to in many ways. So let's go through the list. I'll try to do this as best I can. He has the most minutes played in a single season, which is 4,697 that he got in 2006, 2007. Most wins in a single season, 480607. Most consecutive 30 win seasons. 12 between 1995-96 through 2007-2008. Most consecutive 35-win seasons, 11. Most 40-win seasons, 8. 
most 40 wins, most consecutive 40 win seasons, three, most all-time overtime wins, 52, most all-time shootout wins, 26, most shootout shots against in a single season, 60, most all-time shootout shots against, 141, most consecutive postseason starts, 158, best postseason goals against average all-time, 1.96, most shutouts in a postseason series, three, all of them in the Stanley Cup Finals in 2003. And the fact that he didn't win the best, uh, the con smite that year is a joke. They gave it to the losing goaltender, which shows you how much they did not like nor respected Martin Brodeur at that time. That's just facts. Most shutouts in a postseason, seven, the year they won the Stanley Cup in 2003. Most shutouts in a regular plus postseason, 149. Only NHL goaltender to score a game-winning goal. One of only two NHL goalies to score a goal about the regular season and playoffs. He has four goals, by the way. First goaltender in history to have three shutouts in two different playoff series. 95 against the Bruins at 2003, again against the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. Most consecutive opening night starts with one team, 17. Most regular season wins all time, 691. It was nine wins shy of 700. I apologize for getting it incorrect. I know it's ridiculous. He's nine shy of 700. Most regular season shutouts, 125. Most games played all time by a goaltender, 1,266. Most 31 seasons, 13. Most minutes all time, 74,438. Most postseason shutouts, 24. Most career regular season goals by a goaltender, two. Most career goals including playoffs by a goaltender, three. Right, three. Isaiah has four, Bunny has three. Uh, most career saves, 28,508. Play and, and, and that's it. I mean, there's probably a lot more than I forgot, but that right there shows you how dominant Martin Berner was, okay? And yes, he played seven games with the Blues in 2014-2015. We don't talk about that. After that year, he officially retired from the NHL. He became an executive with the Blues for a few years and then returned to the Devils to work in the front office. Originally, on the business side of hockey, but then he became Tom Fitzgerald's right-wing man and is currently the Devils' executive vice president for business development and also serves as an advisor to hockey operations. So he's still not fully involved in the hockey ops, but he's obviously there. And every time the Devils draft a goaltender, you know that that's they they go they go they use their big chip to uh, to talk to him. And look, Jonathan Bernier when he was. When he had his media day with the well, not media day. When he had his press conference with uh, Devils Media, he said that one of the calls that he got was from Martin Berdur, and that convinced him. I mean, we have a pretty good bargaining chip, if you ask me. Now, in his entire career with the Devils, Martin Berdur played in one thousand two hundred fifty-nine games, posting an incredible six hundred eighty-eight. 394 and 154 record, a 0.912 save percentage, a 2.24 goals against average. And in his time in the postseason, which was a lot, considering what he did, 205 games played, 113 and 91 record, a 0.919 save percentage, and a 2.02 goals against average in total in the playoffs with the New Jersey Devils. Martin Berdur changed the game in so many ways. Okay. You can't play the puck behind the net anymore as a goaltender. Why? Because Martin Berdur 
literally became a third defenseman. He was so good with his stick. He was able to create so many breakout passes for the offense. He used it as a weapon offensively. And it got to the point where they had to change the rules so that they could slow him down. And he still was dominant. He was still incredibly dominant, 100%. And you look at all the numbers and you talk about all that. There, there's no, there, there is nothing here that tells me that he's not the greatest of all time. And yes, I am aware that Patrick Wall has four Stanley Cups. Marty has three. And yes, the one time that those two faced off, uh, Patrick Wall won. But guess what? That series went seven, and the Devils were up three games to two. And if Scott Gomez's goal counted in game six, Devils win that cup. Oh, and by the way, if the Devils win game six in 2012, they're probably winning. No, they're definitely winning game seven at home. And Martin Murder would have not three, not four, but five Stanley Cups to his name. And there would, there at that point would definitely be no debate. Martin Murder is the greatest goaltender to ever play the game. He, he played the game his way. His style of goaltending was all his own. The amount of scorpion saves and crazy saves that we've seen over the years, that was him. Nobody else can do that. Every other goaltender tries to play the puck like him. Nobody, they can't do it. They're not him. He's the greatest goaltender to ever play. And there really isn't any debate for this. I'm sorry. I know people want to come at me and, and are going to want to give me crap and try to go, oh, what about Dominic Hasek? Oh, what about Patrick Wall? Oh, what about Vladislav Tridiak? No, it's Martin Brodeur. And I'm sorry that he played. With, actually, you know, I'm not sorry. The biggest reason that people don't want to talk about this and don't want to admit it is because he played in New Jersey. And for most people, New Jersey is the armpit of America. And people want to pick on New Jersey. And they don't want to admit that a team, the New Jersey Devils, at a period of time, were the most dominant team with the best goaltender to ever lace them up. This is just facts. And I don't give a crap about the whole neutral zone trap. Barry Melrose said it himself. That's BS. Martin Brodeur was that good. Yes, he had great players around him, but he was also that good. He played on many teams that weren't as talented as the years he won the cup and was still great. He has more wins than any goaltender ever. Nobody's touching his records. I'm sorry. Nobody's coming close. This is just facts. So at the end of the day, be as mad as you want. Be butthurt. I could care less. But in my opinion, not only is Martin Brodeur the greatest goaltender in Devils history, he is the greatest goaltender to ever walk the face of the earth. There is no debate. Not on this, not on this podcast. There is no debate whatsoever. So one final recap here of this list of the of this list. Number five, Sean Burke. Number four, Corey Schneider. Number three, Chris Terreri. Number two, Glenn Chico Resch. Our honorable mentions are Kevin Weeks, Scott Clementson, and Johan Hedberg. And number one, you know him, you love him, the GOAT, the legendary, number 30, Martin Brodeur. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is my list of the top five greatest Devils goaltenders of all time.